Hi, everybody. My name is Caleb, and I am the college ministry intern uh, here at SFMC. And I'll be reading the scripture passage for today's sermon. Um, the scripture is found on 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Um, and it's, it will be read in the Common English Bible, which is, uh, your pew, in your pew Bible is page 1,405. Hear the word of the Lord. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to God's church that is Corinth along with all of God's people throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. He is the compassionate Father and God of all comfort. He's the one who comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort other people who are in every kind of trouble. We offer the same comfort that we ourselves receive from God. That is because we receive so much comfort through Christ in the same way that we share so many of Christ's sufferings. So, if we have trouble, it is to bring you comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is to bring you comfort from the experience of endurance while you go through the same sufferings that we also suffer. Our hope for you is certain because we know that as you are partners in suffering, so also you are partners in comfort. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be unaware of the troubles that we went through in Asia. We were weighted down with a load of suffering that was so far beyond our strength that we were afraid we might not survive. It certainly seemed to us as if we had gotten the death penalty. This was so that we would have confidence in God, who raises the dead instead of ourselves. God rescued us from the terrible death, and he will rescue us. We have set our hope on him, that he will rescue us again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Allison. I've been having to introduce myself all morning because when I worked here a few years ago, my hair was a lot shorter. So people have been like, who are you? Do I know you? And then we wear the masks. So uh, for those of you that I know, it's good to see you again. And for those that I haven't met yet, it's good to be with you here this morning. Well, uh, there's a saying that's been around since 500 B.C. I looked up how long it's been around, and that saying is that change is the only constant 
in life. Uh, so I think it's good right from the start this morning uh, that we name together that us as First Free or First Church or FFMC, however you want to refer to us here as a community, uh, that you are experiencing a lot of change right now. So maybe you resonate with this author named Jeffrey Gittimer who puts it this way, change is not a four-letter word, but your reaction to it is. Uh, I think I can resonate with that sentiment, and maybe some of you can resonate, resonate with that sentiment, that change is often hard. And when it comes to change, it comes with what is both good and what is hard. There may be hope in the midst of change, but at the same time, there's a lot of fear that can come with change. And then you have what is personal and individual in any season of change. And then you have what comes with it as a community, as a people together that are experiencing change, which is how you're going through it this morning as a church. And when change involves people, especially people we like and love, well, that's just this whole other dimension to change. If you've ever taken a personality test, you probably know that each person has varying levels of openness and comfort with change. So how you experience change is most likely going to be different than the person sitting next to you, than the person at the back of the room, than the people who are live streaming. We all experience change differently from one another. So as I've been thinking and praying about this season for you as a church community, I found myself drawn into the story of another church that was facing change as a community. Change that caused them to wrestle with questions about leadership. Change that made them ask questions about what being and doing church even means. How would they navigate the complex everyday world of being a community of followers of Jesus in an urban setting that is also just constantly changing around them? Well, we first hear about this church, the church in Corinth in the book of Acts. And you have Paul, the Apostle Paul. He spent 18 months about planting this church in Corinth, nurturing it to growth, and then Paul left. He left the church in the hands of other leaders to go on and minister in other communities. And we get some good insight into this church in Corinth because we have these long letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, 29 chapters in total that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And what we can see as we read through these letters is that this church grew from being that young church plant to being a church with influence throughout the whole region. And in that time, that church also had several pastors and leaders. And some of the things that come up may sound familiar to you. The Corinthian church has gone through lots of ups and downs over the years. People coming and going. And some people, they've experienced this radical personal transformation in Christ and are there in the community. 
And then, of course, you have other people who are just kind of chasing the religious hype of the next cool thing and are in and out of the church community. And the church has drawn people from all different subsections of society. They have affinity groups within that one community. And you've got some who came under Apollos and some who came under Cephas and others who came under Paul. And reading these letters about the church in Corinth, it's kind of refreshing because you don't just get to see the kinds of things that make for great Corinthian Instagram stories. Uh, we get to see that what it means to be a church and how to live as people who belong to a church, well, that can get complicated. So here they are, and they're trying to figure things out. Things like, what should worship look like anyways? Uh, how do we handle money? What values should we have about food and sex, especially given the surrounding diverse cultural opinions and practices that are all around us? And then there are lots of ideas about what kind of leadership style and emphasis is desirable. There, there's some leaders that are just simply better public speakers than others. And apparently Paul, when he tells us about it, he puts himself low on that list of public speakers. And he talks about how others are way more popular and confident and eloquent than he is. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about how it has been hard for the Corinthian church because Paul's own plans have changed a few times. And the way that they as a church expect him to be with them as a leader, it's been impacted, and it's impacted them, and it was unsettling for them. Uh, Paul communicated one plan and timing for his being with them, and then plans changed, uh, and he goes somewhere else. Uh, change, as it does, raises some questions for them. Why? Why is this happening? Is Paul unreliable? Does Paul follow through on commitments? How is the church supposed to respond to this? Well, we don't get to know all the background to Paul's decisions, but it's clear as we're reading that there's been some misunderstandings in the community and that some people are sad about the decisions so early on, Paul says this about all that is going on. He says, we didn't act with human wisdom, but we relied on the grace of God. I hope that you will understand. Well, today I want us to dive into the letters written to the church in Corinth, starting here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I just want to encourage you that maybe during the week ahead or the next couple of weeks, you'll want to be reading through these letters. Because I think that these letters that Paul wrote have a lot of interesting things for us and for you to think about. It's, it's a look at a church that has a lot of history to it. And 2 Corinthians specifically enters into the messy middle of the story of a church that's experiencing change and challenges and is also trying to make its way into the future, which sounds an awful lot to me like what you are going through here at First Free. 
But I also need to start with a bit of a disclaimer, that if you try and read 2 Corinthians, which I hope you do, uh, you may find it hard at times to follow, and it can be a bit confusing. So please just know it's not just you. Uh, It's because parts of the story are missing. There's a lot we know, and then there's also a lot that we don't know. So reading 2 Corinthians, it's a lot like skipping from season one and going right to the middle of season three of Downton Abbey or of Yellowstone or pick your unfolding drama series that you've been binging and watching during COVID. Just imagine that you can't see the middle seasons and you get plopped down right in the middle. So you recognize some of the characters, sure, but clearly there's been some drama that has taken place. Uh, Clearly, earlier seasons and episodes, those would have filled you in, but those uh, episodes, they're unavailable for streaming and you don't wanna pay for yet one more subscription. Uh, So you're left only paying attention to what you can see in this moment, Uh, which means it gets easy to get lost because of the multiple subplots taking place in the narrative. Uh, And in the case of trying to understand Corinthians, we also have the fact that it's a letter. So we're only getting to hear one side of the conversation. Uh, Which leads me to also name here with you this morning that not having the full story or all the details that we want is a part of what makes change and church and life in community so hard. There may be some things that we're all able to see and know, and then there's a whole lot that we don't get to see and know. So I know that me being here with you this morning is like me stepping into the messy middle of your story as a church and as a people who have a long history. And yours is a story already in progress. And here we are together. But I also trust that you have come here desiring to move forward. And you have come desiring to live into the next chapters of First Freeze story together. And yet you're here, and perhaps like the Corinthians, you may also come with some questions. You may also have some reluctance about what lies ahead in this next season. Well, I want to invite you to hear again the opening words in this letter to the Corinthians as the opening words for you today. To God's church that is in Queen Anne, grace to you and peace. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. He is the compassionate Father and God of all comfort. He's the one who comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort other people who are in every kind of trouble. If we are comforted, it is to bring you comfort from the experience of endurance, While you go through the same sufferings that we also suffer, our hope for you is certain because we know that as you are partners in suffering, so also you are partners in comfort. 
Well, if you look through this opening passage, you'll notice that there's 10 times in this opening prayer and greeting for the church that Paul uses some variation of this word comfort. And I know that that word comfort, it can come across as a bit soft in our culture at times. But if you unpack the fuller meaning of what that word means, this is a practical call to action. Uh, This is a call for the people in the community to comfort, as in come alongside one another. Uh, Comfort meaning you call out what will bring hope and encouragement and perspective in this next season. You be partners, be allies, be in it all together. This is an endurance race. And sometimes you're the one who's going to be in trouble. You're the one who's going to need help or hope. And then there's other times when you are going to be the one in a position to give help or hope. Sometimes you're the one who's going to need to hear that word of encouragement. You're disillusioned. You're discouraged. And sometimes you're going to be the one who has perspective, who has a word in season, who can be an encourager. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to lean into one another and be partners with one another. This word comfort is also powerful because it's the same word used for the Holy Spirit, our comforter, who is God's presence and power in us. So to you, to God's church that some call FFMC, some call First Free, some call First Church, know that God is with you and for you as a community. So you receive comfort and be present to God and also be present to one another in this season. Well, as Pastor Camille mentioned, I got to be an associate pastor here at First Free for about two and a half years. And one of the things that I enjoyed right away was meeting all these groups of people that were scattered throughout the week, meeting in different places. And and I would see you and you would be sipping on coffee in one place. You'd be making meals for foster families or students in another place. You'd be working on a random project or construction project or who knows what in another one. Uh, You'd be together practicing as a musical or a vocal ensemble. Uh, There were those who would be in the office showing up to kindly harass the staff and whoever else may be passing through the office. There was a group called Bulletin Buddies who would get together uh, and fold the bulletins and drink coffee and and just have endless stories and laughter and good times who would meet. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, But here's what I learned about you as a community, that you are a people who likes to laugh. You're a people who likes to do things together. Uh, You're people who are ready to give and serve And you love this church, and you like, for the most part, uh, one another, I think. Uh, You care for the greater Seattle community and well beyond. So to echo Paul's letter, my hope for you in this time is certain, because I know that many of you see yourselves as partners for what God is doing in this community, and that 
is what gives us confidence. Now, notice how Paul says that hope is certain because, in verse 7, you are partners in suffering and partners in comfort. And this is one of the places where things get a little bit hard to follow. So let me try and connect some dots here for us. So you have this greeting about being partners in suffering and comfort. And then you have this part where Paul talks about how the church is dealing with all kinds of change and uncertainty in another paragraph. Well, uh, in the middle of all of that, there is this other paragraph. And Paul is telling them in the middle that he and his team ran into some difficult troubles while in Asia. Uh, And what he tells them is that the level of suffering is so much that they wonder if they would even survive. He doesn't go into a lot of detail, and you can piece together just enough of the story to know that it's probably that Paul has been in prison or beaten up, has been persecuted for his ministry, And what you do know is that it was rough. So Paul is affected by what's happened. And it comes across, and he, as he's talking, he comes across as pretty raw and vulnerable in some of what he shares. And yet it's there, he says, that it's those experiences, the stuff that he lived through in Asia that was difficult, those are the things that give him perspective to speak into what the church in Corinth is going through. He says, the reason why I can bring a message to you in all this changes and uncertainty, it's because I lived through some crazy, difficult, hard stuff. And I lived through that, and this was so that we would have confidence in God, he says. Confidence in the God who raises the dead instead of ourselves. God rescued us from a terrible death, and he will rescue us. And we have set our hope on him that he will rescue us again. Now, the point is not for them to compare their story to Paul's story. He's not trying to make this into a comparison game, what he went through in Asia, what they're going through in Corinth. Uh, This is not about looking for who had it worse or who suffered more. The point that Paul is trying to make is that we can gain perspective. How is it that Paul can tell them to have confidence and hope in a challenging time? Well, for him, it's because he was going through some of the hardest stuff in life and ministry. And with his community, he found that God rescued them, that God was with them that God is trustworthy. And so for Paul, he has confidence that no matter what it is that the church in Corinth goes through, no matter what that community might face, God will also be with them. God will rescue them. God will be present with them just like God was present in Paul's own life and experience. Well, earlier in in January, I spent a couple of weeks, and I got my own kind of infusion of hope and confidence. I was in Colombia and South America with several of our key leaders from all over Latin America. 
And some of you may remember meeting Pastor John Jairo Leal. He was here and preached uh, at First Church a couple of months ago and, and shared about this powerful movement of people coming to faith in Christ and being baptized and hundreds of house churches that were planted in that ministry. Well, one of the things that I, that I often see and notice about us as churches uh, is that we are good at celebrating statistics and stories of success. We'll see that graph that goes up and to the right. Uh, and so we might say, hey, you know, show me your strategy. Uh, what's the model that you are using? What are some best practices? We want to take some notes, especially when you're a church or when your own life is going through some kind of transition and change. You may be looking for that magic bullet uh, that will bring something positive and good to your own community. Well, here's the part that stood out to me. And to use the Apostles Paul's uh, own words, uh, I don't want you to be unaware of the troubles that these leaders have been through in Latin America if all that you've heard are those stories and those statistics. What was rather striking to me was that we would go from these sessions of teaching and training and vision casting, talking about all this health and growth and movement of churches and places where there was significant turnaround, and then we would sit down for a meal and we would debrief the sessions over coffee, and more of the personal story would come out. And I'm going to leave details out for the sake of safety, but some of the personal stories of those that you can see the photo of right there included family and friends who were kidnapped or killed or abused. Uh, several have been dislocated from their homes and are now living as refugees and migrants in other countries. Uh, one young man there in the middle, he said to me, he said, you know, walking across that dangerous border to find food and safety, that's my story. I did that. Uh, he said that, that when he got to that place of safety, he said, I would fast and I wasn't fasting because I didn't have food. I was fasting because I would think of all the people that I knew at home who didn't have any food. And I would say to myself, how can I eat knowing that my family and friends and community don't have anything to eat? He went on and he said that when his brother came to join him, that they went out into the marketplace and when his brother saw the chicken hanging in the market, he just began to cry because it had been so long since he had seen food, since he, he had seen meat. Their stories echoed Paul's own words in verse 8, that we were weighed down with a load of suffering that was so far beyond their strength that they were afraid that they would not survive. Well, here's the thing, though, that this group of leaders, they weren't sharing their stories with one another as a way of comparing their stories with one another. Who had it worse? Who went through more? They weren't sharing their stories as a way of complaining about all that they had been living through. For them, it was all a way of sharing with one another this is what I lived through, and God met me there. 
This is what I experienced, and God rescued us. God provided for us. They were sharing out of this confidence that what God did here, God will do it again, and God will continue to do it no matter where we find ourselves. What they were doing was building one another up in hope and in confidence, seeing one another as partners in suffering and partners in comfort. And that partnership they carried with them through hard times. And of course, like us, remember, they shared. And then 2020 came and a pandemic hit. But for them, they had built up such resilience and confidence in God that they knew that all of that other hardship that they had experienced was so that they would have confidence in God, even in a pandemic, a God who raises the dead, not confidence in themselves, that this God who rescued us from a terrible death, he will rescue us again. And we have set our hope on him that he will rescue us again. And that confidence is what has led to thousands coming to faith in Christ, scattered out throughout Latin America. And it has been hundreds of churches being planted in the last year and a half to two years because of that confidence in God. Often as churches, when we face change and we face uncertainty, we want to see the strategic plan. We look for the leader who will come into the organization with a certain resume and list of accomplishments and successes. Uh, but here Paul takes a different approach. To this church, facing their own unique challenges, Paul says, do you want hope for the future to be certain? Do you want confidence about what is to come? then let me tell you what my own experience of suffering and hardship has taught me. The best way forward for you is to be confident in the God who raises the dead, not in yourselves. Hope in God, not a person, not a program, not the latest and greatest whatever. Now I can imagine that you know through your own life experience that the best partners when you are suffering are the people who have also endured some kind of suffering. Uh, the ones who have experienced some kind of deep disappointment of their own. Uh, the ones who have faced change and loss and have also wondered if they would ever rise up again into a place of hope and confidence. The best partners are those who have had enough experience to say, you know what, God rescued us. God will rescue us and God will rescue us again. Something that they lived through and experienced firsthand. And sometimes you're the one who needs to hear it. You're the one who needs to hear a word of encouragement in a time of disappointment a time of change, a time of disillusionment or questions. But sometimes, remember, you're the one who has that story. You're the one who has lived through something, and you know that God met you there. 
And so you have a story to share, a word of encouragement, a confidence in a God who met you in that time. For all of us hearing this, this is to know the good news of Jesus, that Jesus comes into this world as a man acquainted with sorrow and grief, one who suffered and died, and we know his story did not end there. There is good news here for us as individuals as we face our own brokenness and our own disappointments. This is good news for churches and communities who go through ups and downs and changes and challenges and leadership transitions. There is good news here that none of us have to face any of the stuff that life throws at us all on our own. We don't have to rely on our own strength to get us through. The good news is that God is present with you in whatever you face in this next season. And our comforter God embraces each one of you in the midst of it all. And God will lead you to a place of confidence where you will say together, God rescued us, God will rescue us, and God will rescue us again. So this morning, I want you to hear that I am confident that God is at work here and now in you and in this church community and that God will lead you into the next season together. But I also want to ask you this. Are you willing to commit to being partners together? Are you willing to be partners in suffering and partners in comfort? Are you willing to be a people that share stories of your own experience and times when God met you? Will you be willing to share those as words of hope and encouragement? And will you be people willing to say, I could use a word of hope and encouragement right now, leaning into one another for those? Can you in this season commit to be in it all together, confident not in yourselves, but confident in God's grace and presence that is with you? And can you agree up front that there's going to be times when you're the one giving hope and you're the one in need of hope? And so you've got to be good listeners and good partners in it all. I want to pray for you, and then we want to receive communion together. Our gracious God, we thank you that you are the God of all comfort, that you show up as a God who is aware and experienced pain and suffering and death, and at the same time, you are the God who conquered death, who rescued us, and who will rescue us again. So Lord, I pray for each person in this room this morning. I pray that no matter what each person is going through, stuff that might have nothing to do at all with church and this community, I pray that you would meet each person in their own individual stories and the things that they are reflecting on that they're facing, God. I pray that you would be a God of healing, a God of hope, a God of peace. God, wherever people are experiencing chaos or confusion or disillusionment or exhaustion, 
God, would you meet each person? In Jesus' name I pray. And God, I ask for this community of First Free Methodist Church, that as this community faces a season of change, uh, a time of uncertainty, of looking forward to what's next, I pray that you would teach them how to be good partners and how to be in it together. I pray for meaningful words of hope and encouragement, stories to rise up, that I pray that you would show up in ways that surprise them and comfort them and encourage them. God, we thank you for who we are and thank you that you are with us. So by your Holy Spirit, would you fill us anew this morning? In Jesus' name, amen.